Hi, and welcome to Ask a Spiritual Therapist with Shana Olmstead. Let's connect. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to be here, and I have my lovely friend Rosie on with me today. I've been waiting for a while to talk to her. Um, She's a really lovely person. I met her when I went to Bastyr University. We became friends there, and then we've stayed connected after with some of our other friends, and um, we call ourselves the Bastyr Ladies, and it's just a super valuable part of my life, that friendship circle that we have. And Rosie's energy is just so beautiful. She's such a bright light in this world. She's so intuitive and compassionate and sweet. And she's a really good parent also, and really, really talented at creating community. And so I thought she'd be good to have on to talk, you know, some specifically about parenting among other things, because she's so good at that. And so Yeah. So Rosie, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah. Howdy. Hey, Shana and the rest of the world listening. It's really sweet to be here. Um, Yeah. A little bit about myself. I am the mother of two daughters who are insanely opposite. So um, that's really fun and probably um, maybe part of the reason I even became interested in like, okay, I got to figure out this parenting thing. Um, And for the past 10 years, I've been kind of dedicating my life to, um, to like community development. You mentioned I'm good at building community and I'm passionate about that because I really believe that like building healthy communities is distilled down by like building healthy humans. And I take that really seriously as my job as a parent. So um, if we want to have healthy communities, it starts at home. It starts with who we are and how we, how we parent our kids. So yeah, that's kind of like the distilled version. My work now is um, I create content for a growth mindset uh, company or organization uh, called Big Life Journal. So um, it's pretty popular. Y'all may have heard of it. And um, if not, check it out because it's full of awesome resources for parents. Um, I do that. And then I'm also on the board for two community health clinics. So yeah, I've just rooted my work in and that basic idea of creating healthy humans. It's lovely. Well, and do you do ever, or will you ever do any, you know, groups or like consultations with people if they had any questions or just wanted to know more about, you know, how you feel and what your approach is? Yeah. I mean, I could definitely see that and into a future. I know Shana, you've been like a great supporter of harnessing our our natural talents and gifts and putting those into the world, right? Because that is an important part of our spiritual growth. I know it's my job and I can't yeah. help it, but do it everywhere. So sorry if I'm a little pushy about it sometimes, but I just love <laughs> you so much and you're doing amazing things in the world. And I know, you know, there's just so much more to come out there because you have so much to offer. So anyway, yeah. yeah. Thank you. No, I mean, I appreciate <laughs> yeah. that because I often feel, yeah. and many of us often feel yeah. the work of mothers um, is invisible work, <laughs> but you know what? Like that's just, that's, 
that ain't right. Moms work so hard and we were like, yeah, we deserve some recognition for. Okay. So here's a little cute story that, um, our friend Jolene has a beach cabin and we were there a couple years ago for her birthday. And we're sitting around the campfire with a couple of other moms and just talking about how moms do a lot of shit all the time. And how yeah. our kids ask us questions and husbands ask us questions and we just kind of hold it down. And then Rosie came up with this super cute song. Would you, mm-hmm. would you mind telling us what that yeah, was? Yeah, sure. Moms get it done and no stuff and do shit. <laughs> <laughs> And she's yeah. actually really good at singing and playing the guitar. And so anyway, and we just keep singing that every time something comes up. Yeah. <laughs> and we it's do. such a fun catchphrase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of our friends recently made that into a bumper sticker. <laughs> oh my gosh. I forgot about that. That's <laughs> yeah. true. I hope she gives them to us for Christmas. Yeah. Cause anyway, I think that should spread. I think it's true. And women do so much and we're not always valued for holding up the whole entire freaking world. Like we do all the time right. and men, you're awesome too. We love you. And yeah. yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw a really great quote, or it was like a meme the other day that was just said that, you know, they came up with the uh, moms are superheroes. Oh, yeah. Just to like take away from actually the responsibility that all that is, like idolizing that instead of just helping us. How about um, that? Just, I kind of idolize that. We yes, right. Do a lot of things. We no do. A lot of done. things. But you're training your little girls to what, maybe delegate or not do all the things or how are, yeah. How are we training our kids to do this different or is there a way to do it different? Yeah. Yeah. That? I think there are a lot of ways to do it different. I mean, I mm-hmm. think that is the hard thing. I think that's like where a lot of the work comes in is mm-hmm. kind of choosing, um, the script that we want to play yeah. out in our lives mm-hmm. and that we want to you know, hopefully get to our kids. So yeah. there are a lot of cultural scripts that are really like, we're an improvement focused society mm-hmm. and um, that can be good. Mm-hmm. But if you're constantly improving, if you're constantly achieving, if it's all just focused on productivity, um, that comes with a price. And usually that price is wellness. Right. Um, so I mm-hmm. think that shift, shifting away from improvement into a mm. more wellness focused culture would yeah. be like my, my wish for our world. Um, and so we can do that by embodying that in our families now, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. focusing on wellness. So yeah. And sustainability. And it's making me think exactly. of just, this is a whole different thing, but just the economy and they're projecting in the country and in the world that we're just going to not grow anymore by 2030, which makes sense. And we need to focus on being sustainable instead of <laughs> That's continuing right. to grow. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think the value on maintaining healthy systems is actually much more worthwhile then constantly growing. Yes. Yeah. And remember, <laughs> I like mean, even last week, we were talking about the fairy system, right? And how, anyway, we can go on and on about the systems and how things are breaking down and how, you know, and yeah, instead of continuing to grow and grow and grow, let's just sustain things. And so, and so, how does that relate, do you think, to parenting? Yeah. Well, I know one of the questions we kind of had was uh-huh. um, what can we, 
do to avoid getting, what can I do to avoid getting myself and my family overscheduled once life gets back to normal? Um, I love this question. I also like the way it's worded once life gets back to normal. I'm hoping it doesn't, right? Normal was too much, right? Yeah, like I'm yeah. hoping uh, we create a new normal, right? One that is wellness focused. Um, I think it starts with like the question, what's best for like the developing minds, bodies, and spirits? And from where I'm sitting of my child, right? Mm-hmm. Um mm. And so one that requires knowing that all those things go together, a mind, a body, and a spirit, mm-hmm. and that um, they, they've got to work together. Right. And if, uh, if one of them isn't working, none of them actually work very well. Um, and so like, but how do we recognize that? We recognize that by slowing down. I feel mm-hmm. like that's like the, one of the first steps to orienting ourselves to a wellness Mm-hmm. A maintaining a sustainability, even in the in permaculture, for example. I mean, we use sustainability in lots of different ways. The one way we're most often used to hearing that is in the like world of environment, or right. we think of the land and um, in permaculture, a form of tending the land and gardening. You they often for like a whole year, don't do anything with a piece of land. They just watch and see what the land naturally does. And then you create systems that work with the natural lands. So Mm -hmm. if we were to apply it to our own lives, like part of that is just slowing down so we can actually see, Mm -hmm. so we can actually notice um, what, which is kind What's of like presented. maybe what COVID did a little bit for lots of people, yeah. right? Yeah, and then gives yeah. you the opportunity to reflect on how you want to go back to normal or not normal or whatever, right? right? And so what have you guys learned or how are, yeah, how are you thinking about the whole scheduling thing? And were you, was your family really overscheduled before and is it now or how do you, how do you handle that whole overscheduling thing? Yeah. Um, was it? I'm trying to think. It's hard to remember before time. Was it overscheduled before? Um, I actually think that it was pretty balanced before. And then, you know, I I have the sense of us like kind of swinging back on the pendulum right now where we're trying to find the balance now. Mm -hmm. And it is really hard because there's not, we're not like main our main culture, we're still not, we're not collectively kind of, there's no baseline for a norm. We're kind of all like a bunch of balls swinging back and forth mm-hmm. um, and the pol- pol- pendulum yeah. trying to find where, what feels the best. And um, so I actually think this, this time does feel more chaotic to me um, on the cultural level and in our family, this is a really acute time we're recording this at a time when like my, my young kids, eight and 10 have recently gone back to school in the last three weeks. So we're getting, getting used to the new routines. Um, and I find that getting used to new routines during a cycle, a seasonal shift is really hard because we're mm-hmm. going like the fall is an invitation to slow down and to go in and to start winding down. And, um, that comes at a total opposite right, of right. like starting school, which is mm-hmm. like new routines and a million transitions, right? Mm-hmm. When we have all these 
mm-hmm. lot of different transitions. Uh, it just creates this feeling of like, okay, what's next? Being mm-hmm. amped up for the next thing. So it is really mm-hmm. hard to slow down during this mm-hmm. time, I feel like. And mm-hmm. so um, to do, to slow down during these times, I really think it, what motivates you to slow down is where your values lay, right? Like, um, I think it does require that, that shifting from valuing slowness, valuing the importance of alone time or downtime or time with no agenda and realizing that these times deserve to have their own place on the schedule because they are really important to the development of minds. Like I think all humans need this and development developing minds really need this. So it's easier for me to make that decision not to fill up the schedule when I know, Oh, actually this unagended time is what my child needs for rest. Right. Like there's a really great quote, um, that says, uh, all growth comes from a place of rest and not work. And that is, I'm going to say that again, because it's so counterculture to how we live. All growth comes from a place of rest and not work. It's like a place where we let the work that's been in our life actually land in our bodies and our spirits. And kids need time to integrate everything that they're learning into their bodies and their minds and spirits. And they do that in restful places. Um, and they do that through play as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's so important. And I think that it is counter culture, like you're saying, and it is, you know, so I love that you're repeating it actually and going really slow <laughs> and saying it again, because it's so important. And I, you know, I've talked to people in families just as clients that are, it's almost like they're trying to go back to how it was. And then they're surprised that their nervous system can't handle it and their kids' nervous systems can't handle it. And, and they weren't able to handle it before either, but just the, the contrast of going, coming out and going back in is overwhelming. And it's telling, it's telling them something like, don't do all the things you used to do. Slow down a little bit. Instead of five activities, try one, or, you know what I mean? But I think, you know, especially around here where I work and where I live, there's, it's just so much achievement focused. And I think the whole world and the whole country is like that. But, but I think if it was emphasized more, like you were saying, like people just don't recognize, I don't think that that rest and that downtime and that play is actually super beneficial and just cramming information and activities down your kid's throat doesn't help that much. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it is interesting. We, we do feel pretty busy and like, I, so I also think it, there are reasons we choose certain activities, right? Because, you know, some of organ, some of, some of the things that we fill up our time with are a form of organized play, right? Like sports, organized play. We're not really sport. We're not a super sportsy family, although uh, my kids are are climbers. So they're on a climbing team and we do that two evenings a week. Um, and it does contribute to a feeling of busyness, but for them, it's a, it is fulfilling part of what we value in the wellness model, right. Mm -hmm. Which is, um, 
like I could break down. I, I have some healthy habits. That would habits. be great. <laughs> that would be super helpful, Rosie. Yeah, sure. Um, and so, yeah, this goes back to just the like recognizing the importance of slowing down, right? If we can take on that as a valuable attribute and a, and a reason to put slowing down on our schedule, um, we're, we're more willing to like opt into that when we're recognizing its importance. So, but these are some healthy habits that can help us kind of orient our lives towards the wellness model. So, um, and these are things that are addressing, like, I guess I'd back up and say there are some real fundamental needs that research shows us that all healthy humans need and especially our little people. And um, like my work is chock full stuff to the brim of like parenting, just like, you know, my work is basically like being up to date on, on the, all the parenting no, no, nosy what's it's. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and so I have over this time really been distilling kind of what feels, what is in alignment with like the wellness model. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so connection is like that, the number one thing, right. We, we need a sense of togetherness that is not threatened. That's like the, the number one thing as parents that we can do. So, um, that's like the number one fundamental need. If I could just give Mm -hmm. you one thing, it would be Mm -hmm. that. And Mm -hmm. then you just go and kind of digest any kind of information about how do I connect with my kids that's Mm -hmm. out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the second one is to feel the ability to, to feel, to safely feel our emotions and sensations in our body. Mm-hmm. So those are connected, but they're also two different things. Mm-hmm. Um, feeling is like, that is what makes us human. That what's, that's right. what connects us to our humanity. Like if we cannot feel our feelings, um, we cannot connect to other humans mm-hmm. and understand them and have empathy. Um, and that we have really like kind of demonized feelings in our culture and it's just to the detriment of us. Mm, like, what do you mean by that? What do you mean demonized feelings? Yeah. Well, well it is. So in order to achieve, in order to like our sense of improvement, in order to like climb the ladder, if you think of like the model of people, when we think of that, we think like in a work setting, like it's not appropriate to have emotion. Mm-hmm. Like we, we create this uh, sense of like, all this needs to be compartmentalized and mm-hmm. you don't let this out except mm-hmm. for like in really rare circumstances right. or in therapy. Yeah. Therapy could <laughs> be one of them right. where yeah. it's like, uh-huh. you know, safe yeah. and uh-huh. even really scary there because when you have the message that like, Oh, I like, I can't feel that. Like I'm not allowed to feel this, even creating this sensation that like, I'm not allowed to have certain feelings mm-hmm. is a really dangerous place to be. Um, well, and so how do you create that space for kids to have feelings and to express yeah. their feelings? Cause I think a lot of parents have questions about that. Yeah. I mean, it's just a whole industry. It really is uh, <laughs> like the number one thing I can say is that the Gottman's have wonderful resources mm. and they're, they're like, format is called emotion coaching, Mm -hmm. the heart of parenting. 
Uh Um, But it it, it boils down to the attitude towards feelings being like, there's no such thing as good or bad feelings. Mm -hmm. They are all, all feelings are a useful tool for learning about our needs as humans. Um, And all emotions are valid, right? So like as a parent, we might not love the reason our child is having a tantrum. Like we might think it's kind of ridiculous. We might know that it's not rational, um, but that's not the point. The point isn't the circumstance. The point is the emotion. Um, So our job is to be with whatever emotions are present, um, have that creating a safe space just means like we're not um, shutting any emotions down. We're not saying like that's bad. You're not allowed to. And it's really, really, really hard because we are triggered by our own kids' emotions, right? Like, heck yeah, it's hard not to Mm -hmm. take that on. And it's hard not to let the circumstance or the big emotion that's coming up in our child to also come up in us. And, um, right. So unfortunately, (laughs) uh, like this type of parenting um, is really not about how it's not really about behavior management mm-hmm. of our children. Mm-hmm. It's about our own emotional self-regulation, right? Like, can I be with myself in this uncomfortable feeling enough? Like, can I make myself big enough to be with this uncomfortable feeling and also be with my child's uncomfortable feeling? And what, what are these things like telling us? Right. So usually anger comes up and that's telling me like, I have an unmet need. Like it's been so unmet that like I am, it's bursting out of me. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, um, so we're using the emotion that that is emerging as a way, as a tool to like take the temperature for what are the needs present. Mm -hmm. Um, well, and I'm just, you know, to know there's a lot of people that come in for therapy. And when we go back into childhood, most of them, you know, didn't have the experience that you're talking about and therefore didn't learn how to feel their own feelings or validate their own feelings or express their own feelings. And then they don't even know how to live, right. And make themselves happy or what job to have or who to marry. Right. I mean, I've been there. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I know. You're describing me. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh So, and so you're training your kids to be able to do that too, to be able to hold that space for people. Cause unless, until we can do it, you know, it's, we can't do it for our kids. Right. Yeah. 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 And you just start the number one place to start. I mean, right. This is a, it's own whole industry, right? Yeah. Go see Shana. (laughs) I mean, go see Rosie. Yeah. 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 (laughs) It is its whole own. Yeah. Industry. But the, I mean, this is like, I'm actually mad at culture right now because (laughs) like, this seems like basic human stuff that most of our ancestors and like the evolution yeah. of humans right. have like lived uh yeah they well i don't i don't know exactly how they had more permission i thinking or- maybe they had more permission i just mm-hmm. mean like somehow we've gone backwards we're like mm-hmm. we're, that's what i mean but like they demonizing emotion like we've uh-huh. we've lost the tools of just like dealing with our basic humanness um and that is like culturally speaking and so that's super sad to me Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I have a lot of grief around that yeah but yeah absolutely like 
the the place to start. I, I was that parent and the, I, I, it took a lot to even recognize that. Like, I just had this sense of, wow, this feels really hard, like harder mm-hmm. than, and I, and I think that's something I would want parents to know, especially when, if you're the, coming into this, um, yeah. like you've got, you're, you're pregnant or you have, a, it's your first child or whatever, like parenting is not always natural for many of the reasons that you spoke of Shana, like we weren't always given the model mm-hmm. of like healthy parenting. And so that should not be shamed like that. That is like, I mean, what I did with that was just be like, wow, like, I guess I need some tools. Exactly. I guess I need to do some research. <laughs> I gotta figure this out because I do want to do it differently. Like I do feel a responsibility to kind of break ancestral trauma habits and totally totally um yeah so yeah just I mean I think the simple place I had to that led me down this path was that realization of like yes I love my kids and parenting feels really hard for me and that's okay mm-hmm. yeah and there are a lot of tools out there and I can go seek them out and then, yeah. <laughs> then I get down this road and now I'm here talking with you about all this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, as far as like the emotion coaching and just being, being with those tough emotions, really it's, it's making sure that you, you keep that frame of mind of like all emotions are valid and good and can teach me something about what's needed here in this present time. So, Amen sister. Yeah. And you so, know, and us as a Pisces and a cancer son, you know, we're all about the feeling. <laughs> yes. We are, yeah. We're like, we get in there. Feelings. Yeah. Let's feel our feelings and talk about our feelings all day long. Well, and what else I'm hearing you say, kind of coming back to the framework of the question is um, just having a set of values, you know, if you have a set of values as a family, these questions are pretty easy, almost, even if they feel a little bit complicated, they're really not, you know, if you have this set of values and they're laid out clearly and, you know, over scheduling doesn't fit into that, then it's yeah. not something you do. Yeah. They right? just act yeah. as guideposts to mm-hmm. like, keep you oriented to the, the way, like the trajectory, the way that you want to go. Yeah. Um, Amazing. Yeah. And did we get all of your points? I'm sorry. I did. I yeah, I know we yeah. got on a little tangent. Yeah, uh, not quite. I okay. mean, I can. Yeah. So we yeah. said connection, uh-huh. feeling, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then so safe, safe sanctuaries was in that feeling mm. place. Um, right. So how do we safely feel? Uh-huh. And we talked a little bit, but the two, like two pieces to that a safe sanctuary looks like togetherness, right? Mm -hmm. The sense of connection that's not threatened. That's Uh an important piece of it. Um, And the second is an emotional playground. So Mm. um, an emotional playground is any place that you or your child can be with emotion that it doesn't matter in real life. So this is why play is so important and like self-directed play with kids. So this is going back to the original question, like not being busy. We're holding space for mm-hmm. this self-directed play, unagended time, mm-hmm. um, because this is the landscape that kids are playing with. They're they're exploring their inner world. They have a. This is a time where emotions can emerge, and they play with that, right? So, um. 
Like they're like it's frustrating to be a kid. You have very little control over your life, especially how we have life set up right now. Mm-hmm. In traditional cultures, kids had way more autonomy, way more freedom, and way less control. And a lot of that had to do with like how life was set up. There were there was a bigger container for holding them. And the container looks like there were more loving, caring people mm-hmm. and caregivers around all the time. And it wasn't just up to two parents, if you're lucky, or often just one parent. If it's just one parent that has to do the work of what used to be a village, the, you have to put in so many like manufactured structures Mm -hmm. to make that safe. Like Mm -hmm. we have all these points of control now where there didn't used to be a point of control because that's too much work for one person. Mm -hmm. So in order to make that manageable, we have to, we have to put these little control stops everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like what that does, how a child feels that is just like, so annoying and trapped and like just yes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) trapped in kind of the expectations and needs of of the adults um Mm -hmm. and so if which is bullshit I remember that feeling (laughs) I'm like I know more than you guys like I know how to do this can you just leave me alone and let me do it yes yeah so you know like (laughs) that this is so Going back to the idea, I got off on a tangent of like play, but like this is where like there's so there are so many controlling factors in kids' life, right? So, but play is a way where they can regain some sense of control because like all of a sudden they can come in and you're playing with your kid and maybe they've been frustrated or they didn't get to have something the way they wanted it. And, um, you know, like create a situation where like, they can put you in jail for being a yes. bad mommy. They yes. can like yes. beat you up through roughhousing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm not condoning violence, but the the action, like how the play comes out is not actually the point. It's the emotion that's being worked through. So this is like a place where challenging yeah, emotions can be transformed because mm-hmm. it's play. And it doesn't matter in real life, right? Mm-hmm. Like they can confront bullies from school when they like, slay the dragon or out with the dragon in this imaginative play in a way that they cannot do that in real life probably yeah um and so like the point isn't trying to like make this a learning moment or like focusing on how the play is happening but really about what emotions are coming yeah I love that Mm -hmm. play with our kids like this is an opportunity to notice what themes are coming up in their life Mm -hmm. Um, it's often around control and playing with power Uh and Mm -hmm. yeah yeah they're working out a sense of powerlessness Uh yeah that's a good idea Rosie it's beautiful And I'm thinking about, you know, we have another question and I'm thinking like we're, we're already talking a lot about it. And so I just kind of want to touch on it though, about the question is how do I keep my family connected to a bigger picture slash meaning when that seems so hard sometimes? And so I think all the things we're talking about now relate to that, right? Or what would you say about that question, Rosie? Yeah, well, I guess bigger picture or meaning um, I guess I'd want to hone in on what that 
what we mean by that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, to me, it feels like, yeah, I guess a spiritual perspective or what, yeah. yeah. Why are we here? What's the point? You know, is it going to soccer and doing my homework or? (laughs) Yeah, sure. You know, or is it togetherness Uh or I don't know, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. What do you think yeah, about totally. that? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I would say too, like pointing a little bit towards like those values, right? And like, how do we meet those values? So mm-hmm. yeah, I would definitely say a lot of the things that we've talked about are mm-hmm. honing in on this question too, right? I do think connection is yeah, for sure. a big answer to that. Um, well, I'm thinking about nature right now too, because I yeah. know, you know, that's really important to both of us too, and our families mm-hmm. and you guys incorporate that a lot in your family. And that it feels like a spiritual connection in a way, or being able to connect to that bigger picture. And so how does exactly. nature play in for you guys? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Feeling connected to something bigger than ourselves really is the work of when we're in our adolescence, the work is who am I? We're trying to figure out like, who am I in this world? And it's really focused on me. And then the point of adulthood, (laughs) moving into adulthood is hopefully you break through this threshold where then you're starting to ask like, who am I in relation to the people around me? And it becomes group oriented, right? Like how are we like, how, how are we doing as humanity? Like, what are we leaving behind? Like, we, like, take on these bigger questions, um, and we really can't take those on without knowing the who am I piece. Right. <laughs> um, and so, like, where all these things are, are, like, the big spiritual questions that our spirit holds. Mm-hmm. Who am I and why am I here? So, yeah. and we, like, are looking at those things in adolescence and, um, you know, <clears throat> the connection with what's bigger than ourselves and an easy one. This is actually on the list that I didn't get to, but um, the last two, I think really point towards this answering this question, which is nature connection, Mm -hmm. which is like, if nothing else, nature is the most immediate big thing outside of ourself that we can connect to. So whether or not you're a family that connects with God, a certain God, um, a certain religion, um, over all of (laughs) humans haven't survived without being in relationship to the earth. It's, uh, I do feel like our culture has lost some of that perspective but like evolutionarily speaking, like we had an intense connection with the earth. We were more directly related to it. Um, and so I, that, that feels like it's in our ancestry and like we're built to have a relationship. Like our bodies are built to have a relationship to the earth. So um, there's all the, all the benefits of connecting with nature, um, which are, I think it's it's hard to like, it's something you got to go out and experience, right? right? Like mm-hmm. just, um, but yeah, so our, our family is big on nature connection. Our kids go to outdoor schools. And, yeah. um, but the thing I love about nature is, especially when I'm thinking of my oldest daughter, she is such a big spirit 
And nature is a place where she can go and be her biggest self. And nature is always going to hold that for her. That's beautiful. Yeah. Never too big yeah. for nature. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> you know, and nature, and you know, we have that theme in our life, like, um, nature can hold nature is always there holding us like it's supporting us now um our feet on the ground we have we are immensely resourced and you know a big we are not just in the pandemic of covid but we're in the pandemic of loneliness and if we can expand our sense of being supported not just by people but also the earth that is always immediately available that's beautiful. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. I, that's how I feel, you know, with nature and just, you know, you know, the universe is we're never alone. You know, there's always that bigger thing out there holding us and connecting to us. It's just so easy to forget. Right. When I'm thinking yeah. to, you know, you guys probably, I'm sure just giving back, you know, whether it's to nature or to people is a really beautiful way to, um, create that meaning and not forget, you know, why we're here with kids too, right. Yeah. You know, contributing yeah. and giving back and volunteering. And, and I'm even thinking about, you know, in the forest and cleaning up trails mm-hmm. or these kinds of things and taking care of the earth. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Right. Cause we're yeah. all p- part of it. I mean, that, that in a sense, but this ties into mm-hmm. um, one of like our and it's not quite a rule at our yeah. house, but it is something we like value and say explicitly that mm-hmm. has to do with like, you know, being of service is really about no- noticing and respecting and um, yeah, in our relationship to ourselves, like in the bigger mm-hmm. picture, mm-hmm. right? And so like this starts at home, like, with the basic idea of like, why, why do we like quote unquote do chores or contribute in the house? Right. And like, for us, that's, we say explicitly, like, because we're part of a family, mm-hmm. like we, we have to do the dishes. We have to clean up our rooms um, because we're, that's what it takes to make the house work. And we're part of a system. And you live here. Our system is a family, right? Yeah. (laughs) We're a family. We all have to contribute in order for it to work. And so like, if that lesson starts at home, then as they grow, that expands out, hopefully into the community. Um, But so if you take that same idea, and if you say, well... You have to do chores because if you don't, you won't get to watch TV or you have to do chores because yeah, if you do chores, you'll get these, these points, these mm-hmm. points right. um, that externalizes like why we care. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we externalize why we care, we are feeding into the capitalistic culture. <laughs> Which, you know, is just like sucks the soul, right? It's sucking the soul. You're right. <laughs> I'm with so, you. And these younger right, generations like, feel that way more than, I mean, my daughter and TikTok and capitalism is terrible. And, you know, anyway, and even the younger yeah. kids, we, they're understanding more and more about this, even though the system is still existing. <laughs> you <laughs> it know. takes a long time for the system to change. Amen. Really so, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can be a part of that. That's I mean, right. start, start with 
at, at our homes, right? Mm-hmm. Like as simple as like, well, why do we do these things? Slowing yeah. down enough to even notice and point out. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, the very last one that, that yeah. ties into this question of like the bigger picture yeah. um, is uh, like routine healing practices. And this is something that I, when I learned about it, even just recently, it was shocked to realize like, wow, yeah, I don't even have that in my home yet. Right. Mm-hmm. Like these routine healing practices. I'm, I'm, that's some of the work that I'm in right now. Like mm-hmm. what would that look like? But traditionally that looks like connecting with your community, having a community that um, is creating space and time to work with the vulnerable and really hard material of being a human. Like mm-hmm. we get better as humans by realizing that we're in this together and seeing the challenges and seeing the joys reflected in each other, right? Like, oh, this is how so-and-so got through their really hard time. And if they weren't willing to show the vulnerability of that, um, I can't learn from that experience. So there's um, another big industry that is really built on like the power of vulnerability. Renee and Brown, what, what? Renee Brown, I'm totally mm-hmm. obsessed. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the, also this is like connected to doing this in community is an important piece, right? Like we are lucky enough to be in a community, a small group of women right. who have been traveling together through life mm-hmm. and witnessing our vulnerabilities yep. and joys yep. and just doing life mm-hmm. um, for like the past 13 or 14 years. And mm-hmm. that is such a gift. And yeah. um, but like so these routine healing practices can come out in many different ways. But traditional cultures have done this through singing, through mm-hmm. dancing, mm-hmm. through sitting and doing storytelling um, they're like, they feed back the life vitality by togetherness mm-hmm. in a bigger sense, mm-hmm. in the sense of like, these are really big things that we weren't meant to deal with alone and we don't have to do alone. And so, um, yeah, that the idea of having our our values that like that we are trying to align ourselves with as families trying to stay like wellness focused Mm -hmm. that's how I'm putting Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. Um, that's so much easier to do when there's also a community of people doing that Mm -hmm. around you and with you yeah and so I like there's it's used to be not just the parents right I've said that before but There used to be like sets of mentors and other adults who can see the gifts of your children mm-hmm. in ways that you can't because they don't have the same eyes as you. Exactly. They don't have yeah. the same attachments mm-hmm. as you. Um, so, yes, like, I guess what I'm wanting to land on is like the keeping meaning in our life and like, a thread of spirituality um, that has always traditionally been shared in groups. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, like kids don't want to just listen to their parents. 
Right. They kind of revolt against that if you've noticed. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, but when this is like, yeah, when these are like, oh, the values of my community and like, oh yeah, this is, these are the ways that, like that I norms. fit in. These are, these are yeah. the gifts, right? These are right. the norms, but also like, these are my gifts that right. like other people enjoy about me. And um, when there are more people to witness those gifts, there's more people to encourage the growth of those mm-hmm. gifts. So, and then you yeah. believe in yourself more. Yeah. Which kind of goes into our next question we're going to do a little question from a magazine like I always like to do and and I didn't think about it ahead of time but it really does tie in here um to what we're talking about because this is a person um who didn't really get the things that we're talking about in in childhood um and is now having some issues because of it which doesn't mean she can't fix the issues or work on the issues once we're aware of them we can definitely change them it's just it's nice to not have to do so much work <laughs> if you have that good foundation as a as a kid yeah. so so anyway so this question um is called single and suffering so she says or he says i'm not sure I'm 34 and I've never had a boyfriend. I would like to be with a successful guy so he can love me enough to make me love myself. Oh, ooh, yikes. Yeah. I've had a crush on a guy for 10 years, but I fear he would say I'm not fun enough, capable enough, or socially graceful enough. I can't relax around successful men and I come off as boring. As a child, my stepmom daily berated me for being lazy, stubborn, spoiled, narcissistic, dishonest, a slob, immature, whatever she felt like throwing at me. I now feel sorry for her. She just hated herself. Okay. I've never had a close relationship with her or my mom who I haven't seen in 30 years. My dad is great, but we rarely know what to say to each other. Yes, I'm a loser. Help. (laughs) So poor little thing. Oh okay. my god, that's so painful to listen to. Like, ouch. <laughs> it is painful to listen to. Yeah. And it sounds like, yeah, she probably didn't get this beautiful structure and meaning. And because the things that you're talking about too, they really help a, a child feel confident about themselves, right? Or at least know themselves and have some self-compassion, right? Absolutely. So, they develop a sense of self-awareness, which is really what you need to move through the world in a successful way. Because if you don't know how to get your needs met, you're just all over the place and you're really wide open for other people asserting their own agendas into your life. Amen. That's a good way to say it. Yes. So, so at this point in her life, you know, if you, if this person was next to you asking you this question, what, what advice would you give them? Yeah. I mean, I I would just start, I would start with just, um, right. The empathy. That's a really hard hard. place to be. Yeah. That's such a hard place to be. And she's not like, she's not alone in this trauma. We think of trauma. I mean, what you're describing is trauma. Mm -hmm. And um, we tend to think about trauma as being like a one-off dramatic event that it has to be like a like a big bang event. Um, and I'm sure you all can imagine what, what those might be. But um, in the current theory of trauma is actually the, it could, it could be a big event, of course, but 
even in a big event, the trauma actually lies usually in um, the isolation around the event. So she's not describing a childhood where a specific event happened. She's describing a like a living out of one long traumatic lifestyle, which is like not being seen or recognized and probably a feeling silenced in who she is. So she didn't really get to develop a sense of self and like the, the most painful thing to hear in that question is when she describes like wanting to find a man that can love her oh, God, that, so oh, that she will oh. feel loved, like, so that she will feel, and, and that's just so painful because like, the truth is like, you have to do that, the work of loving yourself, right? I mean, like, it's a cliche idea, but, and we like hear that in mainstream society, but like, really what we mean is like, no, no matter how much love somebody else could give you, I mean, they can model love for you, but if you can't feel that for yourself if you don't have that self-compassion that that love doesn't have a place to land actually um you won't even trust that love because you won't feel it for yourself so you'll say how can you think that I'm the Mm -hmm. best person ever because I know deep down I'm just an ugly boring selfish lazy person right like so you know, it starts with saying the, it starts with self-compassion, right? Going into those tender, tender places and being for yourself what you wish you would have had or finding a different way. So um, speaking from my own experience, I had a tough, like I, I didn't even know until five years ago that my childhood was similar to this woman's childhood and I never labeled it as trauma. Um, I only recognized in the last couple of years that like, oh, that like, I had love from a parent, but like that love was really convoluted, um, in many of the ways this woman is talking about. And like, that is living in me still because Mm -hmm. unrecognized trauma, like creates this soup, um, it where like you, you like you can't really distinguish yourself from the stories that you lived in. Mm-hmm. Um, of so, what's helping you untangle that? Right? Or what helped yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, that self compassion, just mm-hmm. going in and and being that parent. So, I am in relationship with my mother, but she's not a mother. She's like no longer a mother figure mm-hmm. to me. Like she mm-hmm. can't give me those things because mm-hmm. she's in her own trauma patterns and I can have compassion for her and I know the limits. I like know the boundaries um, for myself. Mm-hmm. And so like I, my approach now is to have self-compassion for those tender places and to go in there and to be my own mother or find different, different ways of healing. Um, I like imagine going back to nature. Like I imagine this little cave that like I can carve out for myself and I can just go in there and like mother earth can Mm, take all of the pain, you know, she can, anything I can't 
feel like I can contain within myself, like she can be that loving mm-hmm. presence to mm-hmm. hold and support. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's really. I'll and getting back. all that mothering energy from other people right. in your life that yeah. can even be a, you know, a child in a weird way or a friend <laughs> or your dentist or, you know, wherever that nurturing energy sure. is in the world. Allowing you know? yourself to be nurtured and applying that to the tender places. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 I think that's the beginning. Yeah, that's super beautiful. And thank you for sharing. And yeah, you've done a really lovely job navigating that whole situation. And I agree with you. It's all about self-compassion and holding ourselves tenderly and reparenting ourselves and moving through the process of, you know, I think generally they're on a pedestal for a while and then we kind of get pissed off, which is healthy. And then we figure out how to set healthy boundaries and forgive and accept. So we can have that kind of relationship that you're talking about if we want to have them in our life, but Mm -hmm. have healthy boundaries around it and, you know, not be vulnerable if it's not a safe place to be vulnerable anymore, which is completely fine. And probably better for everybody, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, I think the boundaries is the number one because when we put a boundary, that's a really good sign that you've done enough work that says I'm actually worth more than this. Yes. This is what like you're going to teach the people around you how to treat you with your boundaries. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, we Mm -hmm. shy away from the idea of boundaries because it feels harsh or right, selfish or but really like we can't give from an empty cup. So it's you know, true. Like, and I think sometimes I've noticed a pattern too, where sometimes people need distance to evaluate. You know, I've seen it over and over with clients where they're pissed off and it's hard. And then they take a little bit of space. It can even be a week or a year or whatever. They figure it out a little bit internally and then are able to go back into that relationship more clear. But sometimes yeah. that, that distance is necessary, even if the parent's pissed off about it. Yeah. So. Yep. (laughs) Right. You have to, I mean, in that moment, you have to be, uh, you have to have a a big enough sense of worthiness to say, I know this is gonna, really, I had to come be at a place where like, I was willing to disappoint my parent or other people around me Mm -hmm. to say, this is not about you. This is about what I need for my own Mm -hmm. wellness and mental health. And I'd love your support. And this yeah. is the journey I'm going on. Yeah. There's a great book that helped me oh, through okay. this. The boundary setting is mm-hmm. called The Dance with Anger. Oh, and I don't okay. remember the name of the author, but okay. that book, the name itself. We can I put a link to it in the podcast notes. We can look it up sure. later. If you can yeah. send me that. Yeah, that'd be perfect. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. the book, the name itself doesn't quite do justice to what the book is talking about, but yeah. really awesome for like boundary setting. Boundaries, yes, the power of boundaries. That's what I'm talking about. I just noticed the the issue of psychology (laughs) today that this question is, is all about boundaries. So Mm -hmm. it all goes together. It does. It does. Okay. Um, okay. Well, I think we're ready to wrap up here, Miss Rosie. This was super duper fun. And I really appreciate your time. And I'm wondering, like, like I said in the beginning, if anybody does want to reach out to you. Or, you know, find where your content is. How can people get a hold of you? Yeah. Well, my, the content, like, you know, is sort of comes out of me kind of anonymously. So if you want, if you're interested in more of this parenting stuff, you can go to Big Life Journal. And that's where I put out. And it's not just me. So not everything you'll find there is from me. But like, that's the world of where I, where a lot, like where this research comes from and 
um, what I'm putting out into the world for parents to to catch. Yeah. Um, yeah. So big life, big life journal. Um, okay. And probably like so, f- social media. Oh, Facebook, Facebook or Instagram are Great. the two places there. Um, and then you can find me. My full name is Rosie Miller. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, you can find me on Facebook. Um, Great. Great. If you wanted to reach out. Yeah. Cause you had so much helpful information. I mean, and people just don't know what they're doing regarding parenting. It's, it's oh. so, yeah, it's hard. And you know what, it, right. It's kind of, it is just another benchmark of like culturally we're every, we're all over the place and there's so much content. It is this whole own industry, the parenting mm-hmm. industry, mm-hmm. how to do it. You mm-hmm. know, parents are desperate for like, how does this get easier? What are yep. the tricks, you know? Right. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, I know I'm, I'm there with y'all. Like, yeah. I'm, maybe I'm, yeah, I'm doing my own research too. Yep. Just yep. trying to find the same answers. Yes. Good. Well, thank you for finding answers and thank you for sharing. And I love you and I can't wait to see you soon in person. I love you too. And okay. it's just such an honor to be here with y'all thank you so much okay Okay. have a beautiful day you too thank you for listening and if you have a question go to shanaolmstead.com 